Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Well, welcome, welcome. It's uh, just past 12 o'clock here on 101.9 Chai FM. Of course, this is the DL Link Show. Um, it's great to have you on the show today. It's a lovely Thursday afternoon. And once again, thanks to our producers, we've got a fabulous show. This is the show where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. So let's have a look at what you have to look forward to today. Well, we've got some very interesting guests. I'm going to be chatting to Vanessa Perumal. And in fact, I'm going to be discussing her very recent journey, her very recent cancer journey with a very rare cancer that has affected her vocal cords. And she's, in fact, had her larynx removed. So I'm going to be talking to her daughter, Tainita Harilla, who's going to be um, sharing the story with us. Quite something, such a life change. You know, we all talk about how life has changed so radically this year. Well, um, Vanessa certainly has had uh, so many other changes on top of that. So we're going to be looking at that story. Then we're going to have the lovely Dr. D, that's Dorian Wheel on the line. We're going to be talking about own the story before defining the ending. And uh, that's really interesting because our story has seemed to change. Um, you know, the landscape, everything is changing. And so what does that mean? Um, we, we discussed stories last week. I found it absolutely fascinating. Who are you in the world? What is your story? What defines you? So we're going to um, expand on that with Dr. D. And then we're going to be ending the show talking about a fabulous event that is coming up. Dr. Elisa Billman, who is a clinical psychologist, will be joining us and telling us about an event. Um, as I've said to you before, you know, the, the DL link is hosting a a number of really interesting Zoom events, be they meditation, relaxation, learning new things, psychology, all sorts of exciting things. And coming up on the 27th of July, from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock, um, there's going to be a kind of mini workshop with um, Rehana Sidat and Dr. Elisa Billman. Um, and Rehana Sidat is an EMDR therapist. I'm going to be telling you, we're going to be telling you a little bit more about EMDR, which is fascinating. And so the whole idea behind this is you being able to calm yourself down. Now, I'm sure you're going to love that. Um, we all need to calm down. We all need to find a way of connecting and really calming the system down. So we're going to be talking about that. That's what is coming up. But I'd like to start off by introducing our first guest. As I said, it's Vanessa Perumal. Um, but we're going to be talking to Vanessa through and via her 23-year-old daughter, Tainita. So, Vanessa, welcome. And Tainita, welcome. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. Thank you for um, taking the time to speak to us. Oh, well, Tanita, you know, what a, what a, what a story. I mean, what an ordeal, what a journey um, your mom's been through and you all have been through because we're not looking at months ago. We're really looking at two months ago um, with COVID hitting and us going into lockdown and everybody's lives changing radically. Your lives really, really have changed. Perhaps you can just tell our audience what, what happened to your mom um, and, and just in May how your lives did turn around. 
Um, so my mom went in for a laryngectomy in May, but starting before that, she, um, in 2019, in about March, had been going for different tests. So she had fallen ill and wasn't feeling too great. And she had like a, like a frog in her throat. That's what it sounded like. And, um, in the beginning, I guess we were all like, oh no, it's just a cold. It will pass. And my mom, being the person that she is, um, knew that something wasn't right. So she continued testing. So she went from asthma to pneumonia to um, just many different doctors, many different um, diagnoses. And she found Dr. Ismail um, last year in October, who is a specialist ENT. And um, working with him, she had her first scan, which came out clear in um, October and then the decision was that she scoped every time that she went in for an appointment which was once a month and that's the way it went um, towards the end of the year in December just before we our we did like an annual family holiday um, just before we went to Sri Lanka and Mumbai um, my mom went in to speak to Dr. Ismail again and we got the diagnosis of spasmodic dysphonia, which is a vocal palsy. So it causes your vocal cords to become like paralyzed or just not working as well. Um, so that was the diagnosis that we went with. I think we were all just a bit relieved um, because it wasn't the big, scary C word. But then Ismail yeah. did assure us and he said, you know what, listen, this is what I have for right now, but we will continue scoping and you will come in for a scan every six months because we can't conclusively say um what it is yet we need to understand we need to know why you're getting this vocal palsy so um we went on our trip and it was great my mom did so many things that i don't think that we ever thought that she would be able to do so we hiked every day in sri lanka um she started feeling much better um just, I think, I think it was just also taking a break was was good for her. So um, we went to Sri Lanka and we came back, and COVID nineteen happened in a way that I don't think we ever expected it to. Um, her appointment was set for March. It then got pushed to April, and by April, Dr. Ismail was like, "We have to do the scan. We have to sort it out because my mom was also just struggling to breathe. She was in pain." Um, so he the so what he was going to do was do her Botox, which is um, a treatment for spasmodic dysphonia. They inject it into your vocal or around your vocal cords. I'm not sure of like the actual uh, medical term, but it gets injected into that mm-hmm. place to kind of ease it and lubricate it. And she also went in for another scan at the same time. And um, on the table, um, Dr. Ismail walked in and he told her, listen, we see it. We knew it was going to rear its ugly head one um, one day. And I can see the growth now. He wasn't sure what it was yet at that point, but he saw it on the table. So my mom messaged my dad, because I'm sure like most families, we have like a family chat. But instead of messaging on our family chat, she messaged my dad and she came home and she prepared us for what was going to be the next few months and continued journey that we have right now, which is very, very, very um, said, listen, we see a growth. We're not sure what it is. Speak of a laryngectomy started happening. So she went in the next day for, I think it's called an FNA, which is like a, like a biopsy that they take 
a piece of the um, tumor or growth and they try to biopsy it. That was on on the ninth, and then on the what? next on the Sunday, we were having lunch in our garden, mentally preparing for what was going to come. Because Dr. Isma had told us it also had to be a quick decision because of COVID, because of where the cancer was or what he thought was cancer at that point. Um, the decisions that my mom had to make were going to be quick. And so we were sitting in our garden. We spoke about the laryngectomy, which is the removal of your larynx, which is where your voice comes from. But also it affects your breathing. And um, Isma had told us. So while we were stressing about... Um, the removal of her vocal box, Dr. Ismail was like stressing about getting the cancer out of her body. Um, Sure. So he came back. Um, um, Tanita, I'm so sorry. I'm going to take a quick break. Um, We're going to take a quick ad break. Please hold for us. We're going to come back to the story. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the Deal Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Nikki Seberini here with you until one o'clock. And on the line, I have Tanita Harila, who is the daughter of Vanessa Perumal, um, who was diagnosed with a rare cancer just a few months ago. And as I've said, you know, in the time of COVID, really so many life changes, so many different ways of navigating our world. And so for a family to face these kind of decisions, uh, cancer, do you have your whole larynx removed, don't you? I, I can only imagine, Tanita, that it must be incredibly um, uh, overwhelming. So we're going to forward wind a little bit because your mom, you then chose um, to have the larynx removed. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah, so she went to... uh, sorry. Hey. No, no, please carry on. Um, so she went in, she got her laryngectomy, which is the removal of her larynx, and it now means that she has a stoma, um, which is an opening in her neck where she breathes from, and it also means that she doesn't have her original voice. We say original voice because there's three different ways that someone with a laryngectomy can speak. There's an electrolarynx, um, esophageal speech, or um, an, like an implant that gets put in... Um, a probox valve that gets put, put in and that will give her speech. But because of COVID, we can't have the probox valve as yet because, um, of just the, the hospital situation, the virus. So it was meant to be scheduled for August, but we'll see how it goes. But, but she's been writing. She's been, um, started work again. So JT Communications, which is her company is completely open again. They've been taking on new clients. So we're just trying to learn how to get used to this new normal. My mom says that she's so grateful that um, through this whole process, her mind is still completely intact. She is still able to do the things that she loves to do. It's just her voice that's not there, which um, has been difficult for all parties involved. But we're learning, and um, I guess that's the best that we can yeah. do. I mean, it, as you say, and, and I know that your mom was very active as an anti-apartheid activist, so for her, having a voice and being in the area, um, uh, her, her expertise and communications, you know, her voice is everything. And to have something like that stripped away must be incredibly challenging. So how you say she's so grateful that her mind is fine and she sounds like she's positive. How is it for all of you not being able to communicate with your mother the way you used to, her not being able to be heard the way she used to? How How is that 
a new path um, going with all of you? Um, so there's good days and bad days and good moments and bad moments. Um, it happened so quickly. We went from not knowing she had cancer to knowing that she had one of the rarest cancers in one of the rarest places to her out, taking out her larynx and then not being able to see her for another 24 days because of protocol. Um, so adjusting has been difficult. Um, my mom speaks with her electrolarynx and my brother and I can hear her perfectly. My brother learned to clean her stoma. My dad's been so, so good with that. Um, my mom writes to us. We have usual WhatsApp calls or WhatsApp um, messages. She writes a lot. She, her, her, a lot of her friends have been lovely in coming to speak to her. And now her new thing is that um, even though we're socially distancing and doing everything very safely, is that she tries to do a tea or something once a week with someone new so she can practice using her electrolarynx because right now it's about practice. So mentally, I think it's been a, a big adjustment and I don't think that we can fully say how we feel yet because it's been so quick. But um, and, and also we haven't had... Um, the, because of COVID, we haven't had the opportunity to interact with loved ones or interact with friends and family the way that we would have wanted to. So it's a very isolating place to also be right now. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. we're just, we're honestly trying our best. Um, we try and go on walks and we have more than most people have. We're so blessed to be in a place where my mom was able to go to private healthcare, to have Dr. Ismail, to have all these specialists around her, to then have speech therapists and a um, a nurse come home, like incredibly, incredibly privileged. And that's something that my mom was also trying to address right now. The fact that there is such a big gap in, um, in the healthcare system in South Africa and that it, it's about privilege and it's about money. And so we're, we're honestly taking our blessings and we're so, so lucky to be in the position that we are because also, at the point where she went in for her procedure, her her airway was 95, 95% obstructed, which means that she was also really struggling to breathe at that point. And sure. Other- sure. That must have been so scary, Tanita. And I just, I love your attitude. I mean, you all sound like you've got a, a fantastic outlook, and that is the way to go. Um, but I can imagine for your mom having to be in hospital for 24 days, and as you say, with the protocol, with what's happening with COVID, it must have been very scary. You don't want to be spending so much time in hospital these days. But other than that, she's, she's as you say, she's fine, and she's her business is doing well, and she seems to be back on track. Definitely. And she started her blog, which is Miraculous Healing, um, miraculous moments, which I think really helped her in hospital, which gave her a platform to speak to people, but also just to your listeners and to anybody else who has family right now in hospital. We can't stress like having a phone, having data, having the ability to video call with them because my mom was in ICU for 23 of those 24 days. And I don't think that we as a family or her would have made it through those 24 days if we couldn't speak to her, see her. Um, it's so isolating and I, my heart goes out to any family that has someone in hospital, both the person in hospital and the family at home. It's something that I don't wish upon anybody. It's, it's mm-hmm. terrifying and it's scary, but using technology to your, um, to your aid is, is so important. So just make sure that your family members are able to use their phones, are able to have access to data. You can speak to them because it is difficult, but you'll get through it and you'll make it out the other side. 
Yeah, wow. So, Tanita, your mom, so the, her larynx was removed. Was there any other treatment involved um, to to get rid of this cancer, this very rare cancer that she had? So the thing with this chondrosarcoma and the placement of it is that Dr. Ismail was letting us know that it's one of the rarest places that you can have chondrosarcoma, and chondrosarcoma is very, very um, difficult to treat in the sense that it doesn't respond well to chemotherapy and radiation. So the option for her was to remove it. It was the only choice that she had right now because it could have been months of radiation and chemo, which was not recommended because it doesn't really have an effect on the tumor and on the cells. So to save her life, she traded her voice, which is something that she uses on her blog a lot to say that it was the option that she made. And she, she, I suppose she gained another voice. You know, she's gained another voice, as you said, with her, her blog, The Miraculous Moments Diary, and she'll be inspiring many more. I get the impression, although we haven't been able to speak to Vanessa, um, that she's a woman of purpose. And I can hear that in your voice, Danita. So I, I want to thank you very much for joining us today, for sharing your story. Um, and Vanessa, I'm wishing you all the very best. And uh, hopefully we'll chat to you again. The next time you'll be able to use, the, as you say, the technology that you have. Um, and we'll be able to um, use your voice, your new voice in this new world that we're all finding our way in. So thank you so much. Really, really lovely chatting. Thank you for having us. My mom's saying thank you. She's waving. Thank you for giving us the platform. Oh, oh, thank you, Tanita. And waving back and wishing you all good health and take care. Look after yourselves. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, what a, what a story. You know, we all, we all really are, um, grappling with so many changes. We talk about the end and we talk about, um, you know, the, the fact that life isn't the way it was. And you look at what's happening with restaurants. You look at what's happening with businesses. You look at the spread, people getting ill, losing loved ones. Um, and amongst all of that, amongst the turmoil, um, to be diagnosed with this rare cancer and to choose your voice, to choose your life over your voice. Um, and then really having a different way of communicating with the world. That in itself is quite a challenge. Um, and Vanessa and her daughter sound really very inspirational. So we're going to take a break. After the break, we're going to get hold of Dr. D. And we're going to be talking about the story, you know, own the story before defining the ending. So I can't wait to speak to Dory about that. So stay with us. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome, welcome. Listen, if you've just tuned in, this is the DL Living Show where we connect you to insights, information, and illumination. Um, really inspiring guests just before the break. Um, Vanessa Perumal um, and her daughter, Tainita Harilla. And uh, Vanessa, you know, who has a, a, a very successful PR company, um, that's JT Communications, African Media Resource Center of Excellence. Um, and she's continuing to do her business, you know. So it's kind of shifting her story from being this anti-apartheid activist, having a voice in the country, um, to now not having a voice. 
voice or rather a different kind of voice. So it really is changing a story. And so to talk about changing the story, to talk about owning your story before looking at the ending, I have the wonderful Dr. D on the show today. It's always a pleasure to have Dorian Wheel join us, um, sharing her expertise, her incredible wisdom. It's always a delight. Dory, welcome. Thank you so much. What a lovely introduction. And I just feel all kind of filled up. If you could see me, my face isn't big enough for the smile, Nikki. Um, that are all, that, that comes from way in the inside when I hear your voice. Kind of just ignites lots of lovely connecting memories. Um, and, and I just love talking to you. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, Dory, I feel the same way. I've also got a big smile on my face. It always is a delight, Dory. I, I don't know if you were listening to our guest before, um, but, you know, very recently she was diagnosed with a very rare cancer found in a very rare place in her larynx, and she had to have her larynx removed. And practically overnight, Dory, she went from someone in the communication industry who had a voice in politics, who was very vocal, to now being someone who has – well, physically no voice. Certainly she has a voice. And I just thought that's so interesting because I, I see we're going to be talking about owning the story before defining the ending. And I think that this is such a wonderful way to get into that is that our stories are changing, aren't they? I mean, our guest, Vanessa, I mean, it's such a shift in her story of who she was and and how her story is playing out. Um because our stories are changing. Maybe we can t- we can just start off talking about, you know, what is what is a story? Is it who we really are? You know, I think the story. When I say the story in that sentence, I really mean what is the real story? What is uh-huh. the truth? I don't mean what story are you putting out there to everyone. I mean owning your own story in order to really be able to kind of deal with that sort of reality, you have to first own it and recognize it and then coping with it, which actually relates to how do you, can you, can you have a say in creating the outcome or the ending, even up to a point? You're not going to suddenly have a magic wand that will take away very, um, if it, the reality of illness. But certainly can you, through owning the story, the real story, recognize the story, find ways, both personally and with support, in navigating the difficult landscape and then helping to define the ending in a more engaged and proactive way instead of just sort of, you know, only sitting back and letting everything overwhelm you on the inside while you're busy putting out another story and another reality on the outside. And Nikki, I just have to tell you, it was only yesterday, and it was so strange, you know, just this and talking about it today. I had been going through, it was just a few kind of harder days lately when I just think, you know, talking out there is now in here, Nikki. You know, before, although it was very real, you know, from the beginning, and people could relate to an extent, at least intellectually, everybody knew what was happening once the denial kind of went out of the way and the level of acceptance of it. In the last while, I've been finding 
that you can't have a phone call or you can't engage with anyone who doesn't have someone who, you know, who is affected by bad violence. I don't know if you're finding that. Can you hear me? Yes? Dory, you broke up for Dory. Can you hear me? I can, can you hear me, Dory? I can hear you. You broke up for you on my side. I'm not sure about everyone else, but on my side, you broke up just for a moment when you were talking about you can't have a, a call with anyone. If you could just pick up from there, Dory. Yes. So sorry. Certainly. Can you hear me now? Perfectly. Okay. So you know, I'm just saying, as I say, that it's really in our communities, in our homes, in our families, and the reality is very hard-hitting. You know, we know that it's not a sprint, this. It's not 21 days of lockdown. We are in for a marathon. And the problem is we don't, you know, we can look to the future, but we don't know when the, we, you know, we don't know when the future is. We don't know when the future is. So there's so much uncertainty going on. And I'm, I was just saying visibly what we were talking about before, that just in the last couple of days, dealing with the magnitude and the reality and hearing the stories and so on, I started feeling almost like I felt like right in the beginning, that sort of feeling came back again. And just the sort of being a little bit overwhelmed by it all, I was recognizing that was my story in myself. And then what happened is I had a phone call with someone who is a friend and who I also work with. And she asked how you I was, and I started telling her. And what I found is that in the telling, in the actual telling, you have to name what you're feeling. So that statement of if you name it, you can tame it. If you feel it, you can heal it. If you embrace it, you can face it. Are not just slick one-liner cliches. I found that in naming it and in owning the story and in recognizing it and by telling her I had to move to a more rational part of the brain with and, and name it without all of these feelings just being so mixed up and undefined. And there, and, and what people usually do is want to douse them down and say things like, it is what it is. I can't tell you how often you hear, well, it is what it is. <laughs> or just even surrender to it, you know, which is meant in a very positive spiritual sense. Just leave it alone, it is what it is. And I started thinking of the limits of logic, Nikki. You know, that logic is fine, but it's also limiting. Because if you just logically dismiss and say you're not going to change things, your wishing it away isn't going to do anything. So just leave it as it is. You're doing nothing to really own your story and help define the ending. And I just realized that in one conversation that I had, personal conversation that I had yesterday, to say, oh, yes, these aren't just like slick sayings. There's really truth in defining and coming to terms with something and recognizing something as the very first step. And I realized that what I was feeling was a little bit out of control, and by naming it and owning it, it was the first part of saying, how do I 
step into my own story and my own life again to regain a semblance of control, the, the control up to the control that I felt that I was doing well with just a, a few days ago. Dory, we're going to take a quick break. Please, please stay with us. We're going to be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. And we are back, and I have to apologize because I see that on my side I seem to be losing signal. So, Dory, not our guests, not our listeners, but I missed some of your valuable, valuable um, input just before the break. Um, but I do – so I'm not sure how far you went, but I do want to ask you this, Dory, because we talk about owning the story. And you said it's the story within, and it's owning the – it's the, it's the real story. So the question I want to ask you before we move on is how do we know what our real story is? I mean, I know we have time now to introspect, you know, um, who am I? What am I? Where am I? We're all a product of who we think we are, really, our upbringing, the patterns, the behaviors. What is the real story? How do we find that? Look, the real story that I'm finding is no, it's not, um, it's not everybody's story. So yeah. you can't say, okay, let's open this book and you'll get the real story. The real story that I'm talking about is how you are responding to what you're going through. Now, what is your story? What are your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts, your reality, your truth? And so, by kind of really understanding that, what's emerging for me, you know, how am I feeling, you know, where does some of this come from? Because as I say, the way it's, so the story is different. We're talking about people's personal stories. And having, you know, the, I think it was um, Sandberg, uh, what was the, the name, the, the CFO from Facebook. Yes, yes. Sandberg. Um, Yes, yes, I thought Cheryl. 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 Yes. Cheryl Sandberg, you know, she was in my, when I became, um, kind of highlighted to the word lean in with her first book, which was called Lean In. And what she meant was just lean into the emotion and to the story, get in touch with it and understand it. And then what happens? is that as I say, it starts, you begin to have a little bit more clarity and even begin to understand some of the strategies that you can mobilize in helping yourself through connecting with other people, through accepting support from other people, through maybe reaching out when you need it, through not coming down on yourself as being, you know, weak, and not good enough, and what's wrong with me because I'm feeling all of these kind of things, through practicing a little bit of self-care and self-compassion, you know, strategies for kind of dealing with the story, but it requires that you own it. So she's her book, her first book, was called Leaning In, and a lot of people, even very popular people now, like Brené Brown, and I know you know, and a lot of our listeners will know her work, she mm -hmm. talks about lean into the discomfort. Now, all of that is counterintuitive because what we usually do is we want to separate ourselves from the discomfort. So we want to say, I'll feel better in the morning. It's just a little stage that I'm going through. 
a kind of tiny hiccup in the con in the in the sort of cosmos, you know, get a grip. Now that might work. I'm not saying that never works. It might mean if it is just that, if you're having a couple of hours, you know, a bad day, usually it works if you can relate it to something. So it's because of this or it's undefined or, you know, like, you know, I'm, a lot of people now, of course, are separated from their family and you know what you're feeling because of that or, or you know, there's something that's precipitated yeah. that. But it's certainly, you know, if you just keep doing that, what happens is that these emotions, which are often irrational, that's why I say the rational and the logical is limiting. If you stick just to the logic, you'll try and talk yourself out of exploring or feeling anything that you're going through. And then what happens, Nikki, is that these emotions, what you resist, persist. So if it's fear, or if it's huge anxiety, or if it's sadness, most of the time we find that they will be heard. And they kind of say, listen, you will acknowledge me. I'm in your inside. I'm scratching at the door. And if you don't acknowledge me, I'll appear almost like a floodgate. So the anxiety might then become overwhelming. Or it might manifest physically. Some people talk about burnout as a result of that. And what that really means is that they recognize they are unable to function properly, both in terms of their work or their concentration ability or in their relationship. Their degree of irritation becomes out of control. Their anxiety becomes such that it isn't related to facts that we're going through. They're unable to stay in the present, so they start ruminating and catastrophizing. A lot of anxiety is projection into the future, anticipatory stuff, and most of it's just, you know, you have no idea what part of it may or may not happen, but I can say that most of it hasn't happened yet. And it usually starts like, what if? What if this doesn't go away? What if... You know, you might have parents or elderly parents that you're not seeing. A very common thing is what if they get sick? You know, and some of that, I'm not saying that's all bad, because having some of that anxiety can prepare you for stuff that could maybe realistically happen. Do you have plans in place? Are you making lots of contact calls? Are you saying that we can... We have to physical distance, but we, perhaps we can try and not social distance as much. So some of it does highlight you, but very often these thoughts aren't really based in reality. They're not factual. You don't stop and take stock and say, look, you know, we all well at the moment, you know, and, and let's just look at being fully present, factually fully present, which helps. And another thing that people often say is they say, you know what I imagine they say? They say, I imagine that I'm my best friend or I'm a friend that is talking to me. And what would I say to them to kind of calm them down? So I'm saying that the yeah. you name it, you've got to move into another part of your brain. You Sorry? Know, yeah. I'm, I, we're going to have to take a break and I, I'm going to have to end this. We always end this when we're 
getting to the real juicy stuff, but I do want to summarize for our listeners before I do say goodbye to you. You're saying the idea that it is what it is, the idea that we're trying to um, project this positivity. You're saying that now more than ever, and you're feeling it as well, is to be able to lean in to the overwhelming feelings, be it the fear, the anxiety, being, be able to distinguish what thoughts are real and just thoughts, to bring ourselves back into this moment and definitely give life, allow the emotions to flow as opposed to to push them away. Yes, because at the end of the day, Nikki, that's what works. Yeah. yeah. Dory, thank you. Dory, I look forward to having you again and more incredible tips for our listeners. You are a darling. It's wonderful to have you on the show. Take care, Dory. Thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you. Bye, Dory. We're going to take a quick break. And after the break, our last guest who's going to be telling us about this fabulous event that's happening on the 27th of July. Don't go anywhere. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So the DL Link continues to bring you wonderful online Zoom events and taking place on the 27th of July from 3 to 4. Um, Rayana Sidat and Dr. Elisa Bullman will be joining together. They're going to be talking about de-stressing and teaching you how to calm yourself during this rather stressful time. Um, and we are going to have Dr. Elisa Bullman on the show again to speak to us in more detail. But um, um, Elisa is going to be telling us a little bit more about Hello. this event coming up. Um, Hi, and, sorry. Um, I just had a few minutes before Elisa. And then I'll be ready for you about two. I managed to sort of shift around. So it's really good. Hi. I'm not sure what's going on. If you can hear me. I don't know. I have 101.9. Hi, FM. There we go. There's Elisa. Elisa, are you there? I'm busy from one to two and then I'll join (laughs) us. Elisa, I think Dory's still on the line. Let's see if we can. I'm not sure how to do that. Our technical person will have to deal with that. Um, there we go. Um, Elisa, apologies. You know, this is the technology that we're dealing with. We're all trying our best. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So, Elisa, tell us, what are you doing on the 27th? How does one calm oneself? And does this, is this directly related to EMDR? Yes, so EMDR is a therapy, um, stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And this particular technique was developed by an EMDR therapist in Israel, actually. Um, and it helps people identify the issues. Well, with COVID, everyone is affected by it, but everyone also has their own specific stresses related to it. So one person might be afraid that they're going to get the virus. Someone might be afraid that they're going to infect others. They might be struggling with being alone or isolated. They might be worried about having money or having no money. Um, and and associated with that are, are often negative thoughts like, I cannot handle this. I'm not in control. I'm helpless. Um, so So there's a technique called the butterfly hug that and we'll we'll teach that in the group um but that teaches people how to stimulate both sides of their brain and effectively reduce the stress and the tension that they're feeling um so they'll be doing the butterfly hug and at the same time i'll be saying positive statements that relate to what people are experiencing and and it's it's fascinating because 
people's levels of, of distress start out pretty high. We, we ask people to rate their level of distress on a scale from zero to 10. And, and often within just a few minutes, um, sometimes more, but often that the stress and the experience of stress is significantly reduced. I've, I've heard very good things about EMDR, I must say. So do you think, Lisa, that doing it on Zoom, people are going to get the, the, the same kind of benefits? Is there a limit as to how many people can attend? So, so I'm not actually, this, this protocol isn't actually EMD, EMDR itself. It's okay. based on, um, and so it's not the full EMDR experience, but yeah, I've been doing groups, um, and we've had, I think the largest group was, a, was between 25 and 30 people. Um, and, and even on Zoom, it's been really beneficial. And I think the other benefit, particularly of this protocol, and doing it on Zoom is that people also, they get to see that they're not alone, that, that everyone is really, um, having their own, their own experience with COVID, but, but we're all in it together, even though we're all coming from our own specific places. Yeah, yeah, very true. Well, I just want to stress that it's going to be a very practical interaction, a very practical afternoon. You're going to teach them practical skills. I think it's going to be so beneficial, Elisa. And I'm hoping you're going to come back onto the show another time and we can go on uh, into EMDR in more detail. So that is Monday the 27th from 3 till 4. It'll be Rihanna Sedat and Dr. Elisa Billman. If you're interested, you do need to contact the DR link and you can email them accounts at dllink.co.za. That is accounts at dllink.co.za so that they can give you the Zoom link and then you have access to um, Dr. Elisa Bullman and this wonderful butterfly technique and help with the, the de-stressing and the calming. Elisa, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward, really forward to chatting in the future. Yes, thank you so much. And I look forward to chatting in the future as well. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. So thank you so much for tuning in. Um, thank you for joining me on this lovely Thursday. Um, just those details again. That's on Monday, the 27th of July from 3 to 4. Rihanna Sudet and Dr. Elisa Bullman. It's about calming yourself. So email accounts at drlink.co.za to get your Zoom link. So from Iniki Severini, until next week, do take care. Bye-bye.